Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. We're talking about this morning uh, a burning in the heart, a message burning in the heart. And uh, we're going to be going to uh, Romans chapter 1. We're going to start with verse uh, 14. And uh, we've been talking over the last few weeks about uh, witnessing. We've been talking about the need for the Holy Spirit to move in and among us. Uh, A lot of things. And uh, so today, the, the, the deal is, if we're going to be witnessing, if we're going to be asking people, hey, you want to come to church with me, even for special events and different things happening, uh, if we're going to be doing those kind of things, something has to motivate us to do that. And so that's where we're going to be this morning, giving you a cause, if you will, or a reason to share with a neighbor or friend, somebody you run into. So again, Romans chapter 1. Uh, 14 through 17, you're going to just control it up there, I think, okay. We tried the, the uh, little thing again as you f- flip it, but it, it advances two slides instead of one, and it was like, ah, what's going on? So let me get here, amen, 14. It says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish, That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. In the Old Testament, there's a a guy I feel sorry for sometimes. Uh, And if you read his book, you might feel sorry for him also. It's it's found in the book of Jeremiah. Anybody ever read Jeremiah? Uh, He's a hoot. Uh, And and let let me just share from the perspective of a pastor even. Uh, some pastors are given messages from God to preach this way or that way. And not every pastor preaches with the same uh, thought process, the same drive, the same vision, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, matter of fact, uh, the Apostle Paul says there were people in his day that preferred his preaching to Apollos's, uh, you know, to different, uh, different people. And, and he said, you know, all we are is people that's preaching the Word of God. It's, it, it, we're all the same. Uh, we just have dis- different personalities. But anyway, I feel very bad for, uh, uh, for Jeremiah because he was given by God, by God, the, all of his sermons, his messages, his prophecies, and all that kind of stuff. And for the most part, now you can get some really good stuff in there that's really uplifting and positive, but for the most part, Jeremiah was given, you're all going to die and burn in hell unless you get saved. That's sort of what he was given, you know. Uh, uh, you know, the world's coming to an end tomorrow, and you're probably not going to make it. 
that, that, that was Jeremiah's sort of messaging. And, uh, and we look back at Jeremiah and go, well, why in the world did he, uh, you know, think that or say that? Why did he always come across as so negative? Well, I have a very, very simple answer for that. God told him to. And uh, that's what he, that, that was his uh, uh, wheel well. That was his, his lane that he was running in, if you will. But it's sort of funny in three different portions of Scripture in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, first of all, 5 and 14. The Lord speaks to Jeremiah. This is early on in the ministry when God is drawing him out to, you know, send him on to preach the word and all that stuff. And he says this, and it's up there. Uh, I will make my words in your mouth a fire. <laughs> And I'm sure that uh, uh, Jeremiah went, woohoo, yeah, you know, your words will be a fire to me. And, uh, and so about, um, I don't know, 15 chapters later, <laughs> he says this in, in Jeremiah 29. But if I say I will not mention him, who's mentioning him? God. I will not mention God. <laughs> Or I will not speak any more in his name. He had gotten so sick uh, of, of all the negativism uh, surrounding his preaching that he finally came to a place. He says, you know what? I'm not going to talk about God. I'm not going to speak in his name. But then it goes on and says, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, he says, I physically cannot hold his word in my, in, inside of me and not let it out. So he's went from God telling him uh, initially, look, uh, how's it feel to have my word in your mouth like a fire? And, and, and Jeremiah going, yeah, this is great. This is marvelous. To now saying, I don't want to say anything that you tell me to say anymore. I don't want to mention your name anymore because uh, uh, it is so destructive to me. But man, I just, I just can't help but speak in the Word. I can't, I can't physically restrain myself. And then, all the way down in Jeremiah 23, it's, uh, God, God comes back. I, I love God. How many loves God? I think God has a sense of humor. We've never thought of God as, as a God of, of, of humor, but I think he does. Matter of fact, I, I minister on a Wednesday night to, uh, in, the, in the, it's a Wednesday night class about uh, Moses and, uh, and, and God having conversations. And uh, they, they come down from the mountain. Uh, Moses had broken the, the uh, tablets because he was so mad at Israel. And so they're coming down again, and God says to Moses, Okay, you chisel out the, uh, the, the stones, and I will write on the stones, uh, you know, the words that I'm supposed to. I'll do that for you, uh, because you are the one that broke the tablets. That's funny. That is funny. And, and so he's, he, you know, all of these things happen, and so the Lord comes back in, in Jeremiah 23, uh, and he says to, to him again, Oh, is not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? 
And so he's all the way back to the beginning talking to Jeremiah. Oh, you know, isn't it wonderful to speak my name? Uh, isn't it wonderful to, uh, to get out and get yelled at by people? Because he was not one of the most popular uh, prophets there was. Because as I said, every time he preached, it was sort of a, a negative thing. And, uh, you know, die and burn in hell and bad things and people are going to kill you and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and God goes all the way back to the very beginning and asks him one more time, isn't it wonderful to have my word burning in your mouth? And I, we don't have too much of an answer, but I'm sure that Jeremiah, having God over being mad because people were mad at him, he finally got to the point where he said, yeah, it's wonderful, Lord. Yeah, it's, it's good that I'm able to speak your word and it's powerful. Now, I believe that as you read this portion of Scripture, many people will say, well, yeah, the pastor should do that. Uh, they shouldn't go into the pulpit without a message burning in their hearts. And I believe that. I believe that preachers uh, should feel it in their heart whenever they give forth a word. But we are not the only ones that need to feel it. It is every single one that calls themselves a Christian needs to be like a Jeremiah. Oh, Lord, you know what? I'm witness to my neighbors, and I, I've talked about you, and I've given out your name uh, to people, and they're just mad at me. They don't want to talk to me. Uh, bad, bad things are happening to me. And so, you know what? I'm just going to shut up. I hope if you do that, God bugs you. God gets down inside of you and say, how dare you uh, 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 put the Word of God in your life and, and not give it out because the way you were saved is by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit grabbing you and drawing you to an altar. That is how you came to know Jesus Christ and that is how the world is going to know Jesus Christ. By someone or something or coming into a church or whatever the case is, somebody sharing the word that changes their life. So again, you might be like the Jeremiah. You might be saying, I am sick to death of this. I'm I, I just not going to do it anymore. Well, the Lord has news for you. That's why you were born. That's why you were saved. And that's why you didn't go to heaven the moment you were saved. You say, what? If you had no use here on the earth, uh, it would be wonderful. I mean, we would have an empty church except for sinners. Uh, you come to an altar, get saved, and boom, go to heaven. You might as well if you're not useful here on this earth. But you are useful on this earth. And that is to be a witness, as we spoke about a, a week or so ago, whatever it was, but you have to have a reason to be a witness. And I love it. I don't, if you've been around God any length of time, you should just be just awed by Him. Seriously. The God of the universe, they sent His only begotten Son to this world to die on a cross for John Dodd. You put your name in there to save you from going to hell and get you in a position to go to heaven to be with God for all eternity, that should blow us away. You say, well, what is my motivation uh, uh, for, for, for witnessing? My, you don't need any over-motivation. 
It is a simple fact that you are saved going to heaven. Oh, someday, someday I'm going to die if the rapture doesn't take place. Isn't that right, Jessica? My daughter here, yeah. I, I talk about, you know, well, someday we're going to die. And we all go, oh, well, that's so sad. Well, for you all that's stuck behind, for me, it's a marvelous thing to go to heaven to see Jesus Christ. My parents are there. I got loved ones there. I got friends there that have gone on before me. And I want to tell you, they are having a hoot in heaven. And you and I are given the task of sharing this great news with people. Are you ready to share the word? You say, well, again, Pastor, I just don't, I, I don't know, I just don't have the skill. And I realize there are some people, you get them in a, in a, in a, in a talkative mood, uh, they'll clam up on you. Uh, they don't want to share anything, they don't want to talk about anything because that's not your personality. But God did not say to us as Christians, you need to be a witness unless you are a shy person. You need to be a witness unless you, you can't find words because the Word of God says that He will give you the words to say. You don't even have to think about what you're going to say. God will fill your mouth with the words. And that's what even Jeremiah was doing. Man, he was out here and the fire was in his mouth and he was speaking all these prophecies and all these doom and, and destruction, some good stuff. But here he was, and he was being assaulted on all areas of his life. And the Lord says, no, 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 you're not going to be able to just sit around and do nothing. I, I, I want you to preach. I want you to teach. I want you to do things. What is the fuel? What is the fuel that fuels our life to speak the name of Jesus? Seriously. Think about it for a minute. Do you have a fuel in your life that fires up? Matter of fact, I, I, I remember, we don't have this much anymore, but I remember growing up, uh, we would go to Illinois, especially where uh, some of my uh, grandparents lived, and you'd go visit, and they, they had these potbelly stoves. Anybody ever? Potbelly stove, yeah, yeah, potbelly stove, and uh, they'd open it up, and there'd just be a little bit of ambers in there, and they would throw some more wood in, and they would shuck that thing around a little bit, you know, and then pretty soon you got a big old fire, and everybody's warm and happy. That is what we must do with our life and our witness. We must throw some wood on it and scrabble it around a little bit, hit it around until the, the, the coals become flames that people can see. And so again, what are some of these fuel items that can help us out? First of all is this, the passion of obligation. Romans uh, said, as I read it to you before, I am obligated. Think about this. Paul says, I am obligated both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you, who are in Rome. The word obligated means that he was a, a debtor. He looks at himself in the mirror and goes, you know what, I've received so much from God that I, I, I am indebted to everybody. You know, Greek and non-Greek, uh, wise and foolish, it encompasses about everybody. And so Paul is saying, man, I, I am so indebted because of what I've received. How many was headed to hell at one time in your life? How many came to a place of salvation? 
How many are going to heaven? Oh, how many is going to sing in the choir in heaven? How many can't sing at all right now? Okay. God will tweak it up a little bit for you, make it better for you. We are obligated. How can you receive so much and then not give any away? You say, well, I'm terrified. I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I understand all of that. I really, really do. There are, I mean, we used to, uh, as a teenager, uh, whenever I grew up, uh, we had a youth group, and it ran you know, 100 to 200 people. Uh, and, and we would go out door-to-door uh, -door witnessing as, as just kids. And uh, so they would drive us down the road, and, and uh, our, our, youth, our youth leader, oh, you could take it, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we'd throw them out of the car, and, okay, go to that house, that house, that, and just tell them about Jesus. Oh, my goodness. The heart would start pounding. Your, your, your imagination would start going wild. What if they open the door and shoot me? <laughs> what if somebody punches me in the nose? And even worse than that, what if I open the door and I know them? Ooh. I want to tell you a, a fact, okay? Here's a fact. It is easier to go to Zimbabwe and witness than it is down your own street. It really is. I mean, I've been on tons and tons and tons of missions trips. And it's much easier to go down uh, somewhere else where nobody knows you and, and be the big, big man or woman of God and you're going to tell people about Jesus, but on your, on your same road, uh, oh, I ain't going to do that here. People know me. Well, I don't know if it's because you're not living the life you should be living on your road or you're just, you're just nervous about uh, uh, witnessing the people that, that, that know you very well. But anyway, the, the deal is, is we must fulfill an obligation. An obligation. And without an obligation in your life, you say, well, that's sort of pushy. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want to feel obligated to anything. Then you're missing the whole point. You are obligated to be a witness because of what God has done for you. Man. I live in peace. I live in the thought process that if I died tomorrow, I'd be in heaven. There's no fear in that, no anxiety in that. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you just wait on the Lord to come and you do your work as you can, uh, you know, as, as the Lord opens the door. But I'm obligated and so are you. You know, sadly in the church, uh, and, and I told Heidi this, this morning before she came and gave her a presentation about uh, youth camp, and everybody should send their kid to youth camp. It's a marvelous, marvelous place to go. But uh, I told her, I said, you know, it's been funny, me being gone 15, 16, 17 years, coming back and seeing people that were here when I was the pastor here, still working, still doing, still being a part of leadership. It is wonderful to see that happening. And, and that is about obligation. Now, I don't know if uh, Heidi would have thought about that in, in reference to the kids. Well, I'm not obligated to do that, I guess. We're obligated to work for God, and God opens a door of ministry for us or to us, and we step in and do these things. 
But sometimes we'll say, uh, will you make money, or time or money, of a commitment to world missions? Well, sorry, I don't feel, want to feel obligated to that. How about teaching a Sunday school class for a year? No, I don't want to commit my life to that. You know, I, that, that obligation is too much. And we could go on and on and on. And, but the answer is, nowadays, I shy away from obligation. Well, sorry, we are all obligated by what God has done for us. And the Apostle Paul tells us there's no shying away from this obligation. He says he has felt the obligation to everyone, everywhere, and at any time. When was the last time you witnessed with your life or with words? I mean, it can be done both ways. It can be done by charity, by loving somebody, giving, helping, uh, you know, doing something for somebody that needs some work to be done. The Lord talks about if you find uh, the hungry, you're supposed to feed them. If you the naked, do you clothe them? So, you know, that's not necessarily uh, just words. It, it's actions that, that show the love of Christ in hearts and lives. There's many ways to, to, to re- re- release the obligation that you have to be a witness for the Lord. And so I would tell you today, Paul says, in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, I am compelled to preach. He says, woe to me if I do not preach the word. That's an amazing statement. Here he is, a, a great man of God, having done tons of things, uh, and he just feels an obligation to everybody around about us because Jesus was obligated to us. Let me just read you just a few portions of Scripture. He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53, 4. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is his very own. Titus 2, 14. He would tell you, probably, I didn't have to do any of that. But I created this people. God created you. He created me in His image. And it, before we were ever created in he, eternity past, the Godhead got together and says, what are we going to do? We're going to create these people in our image. It's going to be really, really cool. One of them spoke up. I don't know who it was. And says, you know, you know what? They're probably going to have problems and they're probably going to sin and turn from us. What are we going to do then? They could have decided, you know what, let's just kill them all. Once they break uh, you know, with us uh, in the garden, if they sin, we'll just do away with them and forget about them. But one of them, or all three of them in heaven said, no, we feel an obligation. We feel an obligation for all these people we're creating. And in this obligation, we're going to have to sacrifice ourselves for them. And so whenever they fall, which they will, who's going to go to die on a cross for them to get forgiveness for their sins? Jesus says, I'll do that. And so he was sent to this earth because he felt, they felt obligation. That they created us, they had to take care of us. And the deal is for us, we have received so much. Wow. Wow. Some of us, we're just nice little choir boys to begin with, and we still needed Jesus. Some of you, <laughs> how's that? 
Some of you are awful people. <laughs> you were just down here in the muck and the mire, and God saved you too. Isn't that amazing? I am obligated. Secondly is this, the release from being ashamed. Paul says again, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He recognized what this was. You know what this is? Can I read it to you, what this is? Here it goes. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And again, he says, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. This word of God, I am not ashamed of. There's a lot of, I mean, if you start reading this and try to explain every little thing in here, man, it's tough sometimes. There's a lot of things in here that you scratch your head on. I've been doing this for 40 years, and I still scratch my head occasionally. I still argue with God. Are you sure you wanted that in there? Did you make a mistake by putting that in there? Come on. You know, and, and when I get to heaven, I've always said, I'm going to ask him about that, but I'm sure I won't. Uh, when you stand in front of the God of the universe and you look at it by his throne, you go, I don't think I have anything, no questions at all. You good, I'm not, all right, we got it. But I'm not ashamed. The message of the cross was foolishness to everybody else around. But yet to you and to me, it is a rational focus. It is a focus that we need to take to save souls and see lives changed. The world will tell you, if you are a Christian and you have narrow views of about some things, that you're bigoted, uh, you're prejudiced, uh, you're anti-intelligence, uh, but you are not. You're claiming the Word of God to a lost and dying generation. Thirdly, finally, is this, the exhilaration of the revelation Romans 1 17 we've just read it to you a bit minute ago for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last I want you to get that and if you want to study it a little later on from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith if you run across man's religion if you will You'll find that man's religion starts with good works and then ends up in righteousness. That's how man does it, mankind. Oh, and I heard it all my life growing up. Uh, if I am good enough, if I go to church enough, uh, if I give enough money, uh, if I treat my neighbor right, if I do all of these things, uh, then I can have righteousness. I sort of work myself into righteousness. But what I found out years later is my righteousness that I work into is as filthy rags before God. I, I can never be good enough that the God of the universe would say, Woohoo, look at this guy. He is ready for heaven based on his goodness and his wonderfulness. Just get him up here and put him in. God starts with righteousness, and then goes to good works. It's like the chicken and the egg. How many likes the chicken and the egg debate? How in the world do you have an egg without a chicken being created fried? Anyway, <laughs> stupid. Just literally stupid. You have to have a chicken to have an egg. Okay, all right. That's, we'll, we'll go on past that. But you don't work yourself into righteousness. 
When I was 15 years old, and I'm not perfect as I've told you, I came down to an altar and seriously received Christ as my personal Savior. I've learned a lot in all these years of serving God. How, how, how many has been saved for 20 years or more? 30 years or more? 40 years or more? 100 years or more? Okay. How many would say this, that you're more mature now than you were all those years ago? Okay. But would you have went to heaven all those years ago? Oh, wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Back it up a little bit. You mean the righteousness of God when you got saved? Saved you enough to go to heaven? Seriously? That's how it worked? And you didn't have to work yourself into a position in heaven. You didn't have to work yourself into all of the uh, things you have to work yourself. I, I, I want to tell you, righteousness comes to you when you receive Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, because he takes your unrighteousness, throws it away, and gives you his righteousness. Now, on the, on the uh, a normal and natural way of thinking, are you perfect? No, you're not. He starts working on you at that point, and, and he, you know, he tweaks you and turns you and you know, gets you going and brushes you off and gets you up and changes you as you go through life. But I want to guarantee you that whenever you were born of God and you had the righteousness of God, you would go to heaven back then just as quickly as you would today, knowing all that you know. Because the righteousness of God is what saves us. Are getting forgiveness of sin, receiving Jesus Christ, having the blood applied to our lives gets us saved. Yes, the Lord wants to grow you. The Lord wants to change you. The Lord wants, you know, the Bible actually says, forsake not the assembly of yourself together as manner of some do, but so much more as you see the Lord or the day of the Lord approaching. He wants you to go to church. He wants you to be with Christians. He wants you to learn how to read your word and to pray and to meditate on, on the goodness of God. He wants you to learn how to be a witness. Uh, he wants you to learn how to stay away from sinful things in your life. Uh, he wants you to do all of that. But that does not change the fact that whenever you were born again, you were ready for heaven at that very moment of your life. It's true. What, what fuels us? to be a witness in this world that we live in. Ah, I don't have to look very far. I really don't. I don't have to look very far in my life to say I am obligated to everybody around about me to witness, to give them the word. And again, I'm not a great, let's stop and talk for an hour on people. You know, I'm, I'm not that way. But to live a life of witness and to witness when the opportunity arises, I want to do that. And I'm obligated to do that. Why? Because John Dodd was indeed, again, headed for hell. I was drawn at, to an altar at 15 years old, got saved, not been perfect, ups and downs and arounds and arounds, but his grace is sufficient. Ooh, that's, I think that would be a good one to, to fuel your fire. His grace is sufficient. Woo! Come on. And whenever we get these things in our lives, God will bring people to you. It's not just about you running out and, and trying to find somebody. 
it's not going to happen quite that way. I mean, I like door to door. Well, some, you know, <laughs> you know, door to door, all the other, all that kind. Of, that's all. That's all good. But God has somebody for you to talk to. God has placed somebody in your life to witness to. God has placed somebody in your life to invite to this concert coming up. Uh, this lady uh, uh, to the Valentine's banquet. There was, a, there was a, some being invited to, this morning to church. We know that because we talked to them before church. And we come to this place. We go, oh, man, do I have a fuel in my life that makes me want? If you can't find the fuel, maybe you need to return to the Lord for a little bit and say, Lord, refire me. There, I, I need something in me to make me want to do this. And he will help you do it. Amen? Father, love you. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy, your grace, your love. There is absolutely no one like you. And Father, we want to be a witness for you we may not go out and go door to door we may not do cold contacts but Lord our life can be a witness for you and you can put people in our lives that we can very naturally and normally tell about you father make this church a magnet for lost make this church a magnet for people that need to know about you let us do it with joy. And Lord God, if we've been beat down by trying to witness, let us not be like Jeremiah and say, I'm never going to do it again. But Lord God, let us ask you to help us as, Lord God, we step forward and go forward. With every head bowed just for a few moments. If you are here, I know we had prayer here just a little bit ago, but if you are here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you say, well, what does that mean? It means you've never asked him to come into your life and forgive you of your sin. You say, well, I go to church. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you. That's good that you do. I give money. I do this. I do that. No. Until you say, Lord, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, you're lost. And I, I hate to tell you that, but you are. But Jesus this morning is inviting you to come to him and to receive him as your personal Savior. Simply by an upraised hand, you say, Pastor, I need Jesus for the first time, or maybe this morning as a uh, rededication of myself to the Lord. Very quickly, if you need here, if you need Jesus, just slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you. I'm going to close here in just a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, again, we love you. We thank you, Lord, again for this people. What a wonderful, wonderful group of people that you've given to this church what a wonderful group of people that are here to love you and to worship you use us Lord God in your kingdom father we did not get taken to heaven the, the moment we were saved because you have a job for us to do and Lord God let us do that job and Lord God we bless your name we glorify your name and we thank you for your mercy your grace and your love in Jesus name we pray Amen, amen, amen. If you're here this morning, you just spend some time before the Lord in prayer. Somebody, I'm sure, will meet you here. If you're going to be leaving this morning, you need to tell somebody you love them. Give somebody a handshake, a hug around the neck. God bless you. It's been good to have you in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.